Yimakoto music producer Eddie with his debut single Help Myself. It's the first time the two-time Pacific Music Award nominated producer is showcasing his vocals and it's been inspired by working and striving in a world of hustle culture. Eddie joins me now. Kia ora, Eddie. Kia ora. Thanks for joining us on the show today. No, thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on the new single. What made you decide to put your voice on the track this time? Oh, thank you so much. Um, It was actually, it almost didn't happen, you know. It was kind of one of those things um, where in 2020 when everybody was in lockdown and and I had just um, invested in a new microphone and I had nobody to share it with. So so I was like, oh man, I really want to play around with this new toy. So I, I just kind of recorded a bunch of my own vocals and that um, Help Myself song was just one of those songs that ended up um, actually getting finished. Was and that quite nerve-wracking? Yeah, for sure. I actually... I tried to just sweep it under the rug for the longest time, but all my friends were like, oh, dude, you need to like put that song out eventually at some point in time. Yeah. Um, and so I guess when um, I was finally thinking of putting out a project, a producer project, I was like, oh, I'll sneak in one song and one <laughs> song only. And, you know. See how they react. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about hustle culture because that's been the inspiration for your song. For, now, for listeners who have never heard of the term hustle culture, it's similar to burn, uh, burnout, but it's the mentality about striving for more, isn't it? It's more money, more uh, promotions, building your empire, and it's also about this rise and grind 24-7, you know, don't stop until you get what you want. So what what was your experience with hustle culture? Yeah, I think that um, ever since I kind of found music production, I always knew I wanted to play a role in the music industry. And obviously, it's one of those things where even my parents, they were like, they, they loved me and they, they put me into music as very young. Um, but when it comes to reality, you know, when you hit <laughs> when you hit 17, 18, you're about to go into the real world and it's like, what are you going to do after school? Yeah. And then, you know, it's the get a degree, get a job. And I just, that just never rung to my ears. And I was never like, I really want to get a job and settle down and have, you know, like that just wasn't me. I really wanted to build my own brand, build my own business. I wanted to work in music. I wanted to just make music for a living, um, be associated and around musicians all the time. Um, And so it was kind of, I had to figure out how to build that. And even now, Maybe like 60% of the time I'm still just improvising because everybody who does really well in the music industry, just they look like they know what they're talking about. And maybe half, and I don't know this, but maybe half the time they don't and they're just confident and they believe in what they believe in. I mean, it's the fake it till you make it. That's right. And, And it's that element of how much faith do you have in yourself to make it work? And I think that, you know, having that self-belief is really important. But then along with it comes all those hard hours of working and staying up and taking opportunities that someone else will take if you don't take. I had this exact conversation with an artist the other day saying, if you don't take the idea, the idea will just go to someone else. So there's that pressure as well, isn't it, to to, to jump on everything and, and take advantage of it. You were, you've been also teaching, or you were teaching music at Avondale School, Avondale College. That's right. That's in right. West Auckland. And you were teaching, you know, during the daytime 
and then you were producing at night. Yeah, that's right. So um, obviously when COVID happened, there was this massive uncertainty because even my parents were like, we've never experienced anything like this in our lifetime. So not only was it new for me, it was new for them too. So I was like, man, since I can't do anything else at the moment, maybe I should um, expand my skill set um, and, and get a teaching qualification. Um, I come from a family background where my mom's a teacher, my mom's mom is a teacher. So I kind of always had that passion in my blood anyways so I was like if I can't go out and do anything for the next foreseeable future like we didn't know when we were going to get let out so I was like all right I'm just going to get a degree or like a qualification in teaching um, probably secondary so then did that um, and then nine months later we never predicted that second lockdown either yeah you know that second lockdown that was longer than the first and so I was fortunate to have finished my teaching qual and started at Avondale College and then that second lockdown happened and you know and it was just so so good to um, connect with a different side of what I was passionate about and and work with um, the youth and discover what music education is like in the real world and yeah. and try and kind of shape how what I believe it should be as well and do as much as I could to to help the youth and in the new the new growing industry and so what happened there because you were working during the day and then you were doing producing at night, trying to get that stuff off the ground. Yeah, so that's right. So you were right. doing sort of 18, 20-hour days. It was crazy. Like I would wake up maybe 6.30 or 7 um, if there was like a staff meeting. Then I'd finish school about, I would say, 4.30 or 5. And then I would try and just squeeze in some food. That, that would be like, I'd have like maybe a half an hour window. And then if I didn't, and if I ran overtime, I would have to get Uber Eats and order it to the studio so that by the time I arrive at the studio, it would be there. <laughs> and then and then have a studio session maybe from like six till, uh, I like to say, whenever the song's done. Because um, for creatives, a lot of the times it's like, we need to lay the, the main foundation of the song, otherwise we'll never go back to it. Yeah. So so it's really important to me that when I start a studio session that I, that I run it through to the very end of the song or at least we have the general idea of where it's going to go and usually that'll finish maybe one two three a.m and and and, and yeah. then it's all starting all over again exactly and then and then i, I sleep i maybe get home at three thirty. and i remember when i was flatting during that time it was like a 20 minute drive home at like 3 a.m and i'd just be like dozing in and out and then and then repeat at the next very day so do you talk to your students did you talk to your students about that the sort of the downsides to hustle culture, the, the the reality of, you know, trying to go for your goals and going for your dreams. But there is an element of almost the hustle culture, there comes a boasting element to it, doesn't it? But they don't really cover, it doesn't really cover the mental toll or the physical toll that it takes. Yeah, no, there's definitely, it's like a double-edged sword in a sense where, you know, when the kids see you grinding and, and hustling and working for what you believe in, I feel like that's how teachers should present themselves in the sense that they are also in the industry that they're teaching. So then it's inspiring in a way, Mm. but it definitely they see me tired and they can see that it's the passion that keeps me awake during the day. Have you talked to them about hustle culture? I definitely have. I I guess what I say to my students is, you know, if you believe in what you do and you you, you fight for it with everything you've got, then the impossible can often become possible. Mm. And you're... You've had two nominations for Best Producer at the Pacific Music Awards. There aren't that many 
Kiwi Asian music producers, let alone in the R&B genre. So do you feel a pressure there? I definitely feel a pressure there, but I also feel really, really connected with um, Pacifica Māori because that's the, the kind of community I was brought up in and grew up with. And those were also the people that always welcomed me with open arms. And so my career pretty much started there and developed there. And even now, um, a majority of my friends are Pacifica Māori. And it's really, really cool to to be part of that community because often, I guess, being Asian um, in New Zealand, there was always like a blurred line. I'm like, I'm not really European, but I'm also not, you know, Pacifica Māori. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of somewhere in between. So where do I belong in this I guess this this industry or this society. Yeah, you're you've now sort of moved into full time producing, which is amazing. But you're still keeping your sort of fingers in the school pies. That sounds weird. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> uh, but you but you you were uh, r- help writing NCA units about music tech. And you were sort of working on that even before you left school. And so that comes out next year. Yeah, that's right. So the, the new standards, um, I really I worked really, really hard even while I was teaching to create this new subject called music technology, which derives from music. Um, but now at Avondale College, not only can you study level one NCA music, you can study level one NCA music technology. And all of that was based on a lot of um, assessments and and. I guess concepts that I I felt like needed to be highlighted in the in the music education sector, and and I I really tried really hard to set that up before I left so that whoever picked up could just carry on. Yeah. How, um, how do you describe music tech? Music technology is everything surrounded with um, recorded music, um, rather than the traditional. You know, let's uh, learn about crotchets, rhythm, yeah, all theory the theory and all that. Yeah, yeah. It's like using that and incorporating it into technology and how to make music um, uh, very, very um, relevant to today's growing industry, which, you know, there's so much technology involved. Um, and so we, I guess we need to teach students how to evolve with the industry, mm-hmm. um, especially if they want to pursue a career in music. And are you, you, you were taking students, sort of groups of students to recording studios to give them that sort of real life experience, work experience, if you will. Yeah, that's right. Will you continue doing that even though now you're producing full-time? Yeah, it's really, really tough with all the the creative budget cuts um, in the creative sector in New Zealand. Um, But I've been really fortunate with um, the New Zealand Music Commission and Recorded Music NZ um, funding this initiative that I created last year called Schools to Studios, which focuses on bringing lower decile secondary school students, um, senior students, into the studio. Um, I took them to Roundhead this year, Parachute Music last year, and paired them up with award-winning mentors and songwriters, artists, producers in the industry currently. And and it was really, really cool because the only uh, the goal that we had there was to show them what it's like starting with nothing and then leaving the studio at the end of the day with a full song. Um, and and honestly, it's it's been really good to see that even the the student achievement has gone up. The number of students selecting music at a senior level has has pretty much tripled since I since I left. So it's really really cool to see the effect that um, it has on the students and how keen they are to make music and create. Oh well, thank you for joining us on Culture One Hundred and One today. That's Eddie, rising star, Tamaki Makoto, music producer.